Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. It is The Net Live right now. We have an update on the boom, too. We're going to update what the power of the boom really is. There is some serious power that Casey Patterson needs to, needs to either harness or maybe he needs some sort of, of measurement device. He needs to be careful because he nearly caused a serious problem for himself and others. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. 30th of June, 2014, year six of TNL. Thanks for being here. If you want some archive shows, go back on our feed on iTunes. You can pull up 140-some-odd shows and uh, go back and, and hear when we used to suck. Uh, but maybe we suck now. I'm not sure. We'll see. Jeremy Roche is not here. Uh, rumor has it he quit the show. We'll see if that's true come, uh, come next week. In the meantime, we have made a hire for the weekend or the week or the day or maybe just the last next couple of hours that we think could replace him, could entirely blow Jeremy's role out of the water. Uh, welcome back to the show. Once again, gold medalist Dane Blanton. Thanks for having me, Kevin. And I don't know about taking over for Jay Roche. I mean, he's got skills. I'm just filling in and uh, trying to do my best. But uh, it's been a couple of years since I've been yeah. uh, up in the loft here and uh, on the show. And We've made some improvements to the home court since you were here last. Absolutely. And the equipment. We now have professional headsets. As I told you earlier, these are probably the best <laughs> pair of headsets I've, I've ever had in any broadcasting gig. Well, we're glad you're here, Dane, and this is timely because you do the FIVB for Universal Sports, and FIVB this weekend oh, was pretty good for, uh, for U.S. athletes. So we're going to get to that throughout the show. We also will have, in the beach theme, we will have April Ross, fresh back from Norway. We will discuss with her getting through security with a sword. She's had to do this several times, <laughs> and we will talk with her about that. April will join us coming up here shortly. World League Russia. We'll chat a little bit about World League Russia because, of course, those that follow the program and know, I have not seen it. I know the scores, but I do not watch. It will be voiced on Wednesday and broadcast later in the week. NCAA Selection Criteria Update. Vinny Lopes over there at Off the Block. He's doing some fine work and... The selection committee coming off of the controversy, the most attention I think the selection committee for the men's side of the game has ever received, they are making some changes and making some information public that you're going to want to know. We'll also have some USA Cup tickets. We have USA Cup coming up, and that is going to be for the women coming up first. And then for the men, we have some tickets uh, for the women that will be coming up. We'll have a ticket package to give away. We'll have an AVP Milwaukee preview because Dane will be there. Uh, no rest for the wicked when it comes to the players, Dane. They're season's, back for three weeks yeah. overseas. It's season's in full swing and uh, with those so many grand slams on the international circuit and playing back here, it's a it's 
full time. It's how you kind of want it if you're a player. Yeah, yeah. this is your season, yeah. right? You can sit around in December and January. You want to play every weekend yeah. right now. I know some people saying hashtag suitcase living and stuff like that on Twitter, but that's a good thing. It's it's not uh, it's not a complaint to note your situation and make fun of your situation when you're three weeks in Europe, home for three days, and then right back out. You can note that that's not the most fun in the world, even though you have a fun job. Yeah, I mean, it gets tiring. Yeah, and you're living, you're living out of a bag, and you're traveling a lot, and it may seem glamorous, but once you're out there, I mean, some, some of the legs, you know, you're flying coach a lot. You're, uh, if you're a 6'5 guy, a, a tall guy, and you're in coach, I mean, it can get miserable real quick. 6'5? Try 6'10. Oh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm guys. only six three, but I know that I max out in some of those seats. So if you get go up six five and up, I mean, it can be a nightmare. I would imagine. Yeah, you and I were chatting earlier about the NBA and their travel accommodations. Right. When they have to go and go cross country, oh my god! Or the NFL who wants to put a team in London and teams talking about. Oh, we have to go to London and get ready. And the sports that's writers, right. oh, these players, they're going to struggle to get ready. Try being an Olympic athlete. Yeah. Try being a sprinter. <laughs> All right? To equate it to an NFL athlete. Volleyball, basically identical to basketball when it comes to movements, when it comes mm-hmm. to type of body type. It's basically the same people. Uh, we fly coach on the worst travel schedules you've ever seen. 32 hours to go from wherever you start in the States to wherever you end in Europe. Four legs, five legs, all coached, six-hour layovers in Miami and crap like that. And somehow, somehow, we managed to perform at a world-class level. Hmm. That's, you yeah. know, you're absolutely right. It, hey, NBA, soft. It's what you are. <laughs> uh, I, can, I can attest that they do have it good. You know, after I finished playing on the beach, I, I was the sideline reporter for the L.A. Clippers for five seasons. And... Wow, to travel the way they do, it was pretty incredible. I mean, you show up to the plane maybe 15, 20 minutes before. Nice. They just do the little wand. You jump on. You're eating sushi before you know it. You're up in the air, and they're asking you if you want lunch, and you're thinking you just ate lunch because you're just <laughs> eating sushi. And then you land on the, the wherever you're going, and there's two buses waiting for you. Right, everywhere. on the tarmac. On the tarmac. You never go inside the airport unless you're going out of the country. We would go in the airport one time, and that was when you'd play Toronto. And then you kind of go in the back door at the, the Ritz or the Four Seasons. There's envelopes laying on a table. You grab your envelope with your name on it. The room number's there. You go straight up to the room. And the beauty is when they are finished with a game, TSA comes to the arena, checks them onto the bus. The bus drives to the bottom of the stairs of the plane, and you're gone. Whoa. So it's I don't know if anyone travels that efficiently other than, like, the president. I mean, it was a joy to travel. And I was like, wow, if I could have had this when I was competing, I might have, I might have won 20 more events. Right. I, would, I would have got off the plane and been well-rested, ready to go. Otherwise, you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you about it. You're cramped. You, you know, you want three days off after some of our trips. Yeah. And it, it's definitely – something that uh, very contrasting uh, travel differences between individuals, sports, uh, as opposed to the top three, you know. It's all about perspective, bottom line. It's just, it's about perspective and what, what you're used to. And, and believe me, I will take what you just described. I'm in. Absolutely. I'm in. I don't need to, to stay with the other, the schedule I just described for USAV 
and my international team schedules and so on. We did we did fly, fly private charter in Italy. That was nice. We called it Sfigato, and that was because Meet the Parents was popular back then. This is when you were playing professionally When I played Italy. professionally uh-huh. in Italy. Uh-huh. Meet the Parents was a popular film, had just come out in Italy. And Jinxie Cat, you remember the cat that was called Jinx, the black cat that was they were trying to train it to use the toilet and so on in this film? You'll have okay. to go back and look it up. But anyway, the translation for Jinx, the cat, was Spigato, bad luck cat, basically, was what it was. So we go to our private plane down in Ancona. Air right. quotes. Air quotes don't work well on the radio. But air quotes, <laughs> private plane. We walk up. It is a 16-seat Prop plane. Oh, that's nice. Prop plane that is sitting out on the tarmac. They throw all our luggage in the back. They put some of the luggage towards the front because they have to weight the plane properly. Right. And you cannot stand up inside the plane. And I don't mean like my head. I mean my waist. You're like crawling. <laughs> You're crawling into this aircraft. Oh, and we're going to go fly three hours to Spain in this aircraft. And we, oh, we taxi out. We're going down the runway, right? It's starting to shake. Where you take off because the plane is tiny. This is nothing. How it's many not people, a private how many jet. people on it? We had 16 people and the pilot. All volleyball So 12 players. volleyball players plus our manager, coach, all our team equipment, whatever, physiotherapists, and so on. I don't know if I could pull that off. I, I would be almost claustrophobic. So what? we're coming back from Friedrichshafen, Germany in the morning. It's wintertime. It's cold. And you start hearing things hitting the plane, just like, what is, what is that? Like, what the hell? Turns out it's ice coming off the wings or coming off the nose of the plane and going through the props. Nice, nice. Our guy, Marco Bracci, legendary volleyball athlete in Italy, he is holding, he is white-knuckled in his chair because <laughs> he already doesn't like to fly. He is straight-up white-knuckled in this aircraft. So there's there's as close as I've come to, to private charter jets. Now I think in it doesn't sound too enjoyable. No, it was a little sketchy. I didn't mind going from Ancona to um, Almeria, Spain, in just three and a half hours. That was okay because it would have taken seven or eight to go Ancona to Rome, Rome to Barcelona, Barcelona to Almeria. But I wasn't real happy with the little tiny plane. With the I, would, I wouldn't have been happy at all with that. No. that. That doesn't sound good. Getting on and crawling to the back to your seat. Yeah. I mean, sketchy. And you talk about no legroom. Is there a bathroom on that thing? No. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> you gotta bring where it. are they going to put it? You bring a couple extra bottles. That was it. That was it. Call Glorious it. travel. <laughs> uh, speaking of travel, this morning I woke up and I checked in with the newspaper, as I often do on my iPad. And I'm reading about an aircraft, uh, airlines, American Airlines flight from Chicago to L.A. that had the emergency slide deploy inside the aircraft. Saw that on the news last night. Inside the aircraft, this thing goes off. And it says that the quarterback from Nebraska is on board, as well as a member of the national volleyball team. So I, National volleyball team? Well, I know the men were just in Chicago a couple of weeks, but they've been in Russia all week. Who's there? So I put out on Twitter. Jeremy Roche responds quickly. Casey Patterson was wow. on the aircraft. And so was he the only guy? Was he with Jake? Was he by himself? I just heard Casey. Just, just Casey? Yeah, I don't know if Casey and Jake split up, if Jake's going somewhere else or what. But Casey, on the way back from Norway, last leg of the trip is Chicago to L.A. 
And those who've listened to the show know Casey has ruined our show before. Ruined it. He let off a boom. It knocked us off air. No joke. Boom, done. Equipment, fried. Blew everything. We could not get back on. That was it. That was the end of the program as far as the live listener went. But you know that that's the power of the boom. Well, Casey needs to know this. Because I can see a situation where Casey's describing what he does, or maybe he watched a highlight of himself on his phone. I don't know. I saw a good kill from Norway <laughs> when he was scouting the video from the weekend of action. I'm not sure what it was. And he just let out a boom. And if Jeremy was here, see, he'd hit the button. We'd have the boom right back. Boom! Don't do it because you deploy the slides, man. So that you're saying that that's what deployed the slides. I'm saying Casey Patterson it needs to be cautious. With the booming. It could have been. (laughs) No, congratulations, uh, and thank goodness, Casey Patterson, okay. uh, Did he make it home yet? No, he was in Wichita last night, I believe. They did an emergency landing in Wichita. I saw the photos of it, and it was pretty amazing. The entire slide was deployed, like, in that back galley area where you'd go to the bathroom in the back of the plane. And, I mean, thankfully, the doors didn't didn't open and that could have been disastrous so yeah it could have depressurized the cabin and all yeah, kinds of problems could have been so disaster that's a scary situation casey patterson okay thank goodness for that and i'm surprised with the amount of travel that goes on with professional teams that you don't more often have a situation as we've seen with uh, the football team from marshall and then oh, i believe it was oklahoma state and their basketball team with some of the, the private plane going down with some of the players and coaches. And uh, there's a figure skating, or maybe it was USA boxing, boxing or figure skating back in the 70s for the United States. And, of course, the, the Russian, uh, I believe it was Nova Sibirsk, the Russian hockey team that died in a, a takeoff accident. Uh, those kinds of things. I'm actually surprised that the, doesn't happen all more often. tragedies. Well, <laughs> I watch post-apocalyptic dramas. I don't know about okay. tragedies. I watched uh, The Leftovers last night on HBO. It's a new show. I've seen the billboards for that. I don't know anything about it, though. 2% of the world's population disappears like that. It starts out, woman in her car, crying baby. She's in the laundromat, this, that. She goes out. She gets in the car. Baby's crying. Baby stops crying. She looks back. No baby. Gone. 2% of the world population. Poof. And there's all kinds of open plot lines now. I'm totally baffled after the first episode. Therefore, whoever's left, that, that's the leftovers. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Having to deal right. with that. Now, there's all kinds of weird stuff going on, so check it out if you have HBO. The leftovers, if you're really looking for some weirdness. I will tune in next week. I will. I will <laughs> tune in for the weirdness. Uh, most definitely. Uh, Dane, World Cup's happening right now. I went down Tuesday last week, hung out at Hermosa Pier, Mm-hmm. Pretty cool thing. LA Galaxy set up a big screen TV, mm-hmm. had a stage, the whole thing, and big screen, I mean like huge projection type thing. And people are standing down Pier Avenue in Hermosa Beach, about halfway down, and the thing's at the top of the pier. And everybody's standing watching the game together. Wow. Pretty cool environment. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, the United States lost to Germany, 1-0. However, during that, a lot of attention was being paid to the Portugal match. Portugal playing, it's, it wasn't Cameroon, it was, it was another African nation. Ghana. Ghana. Mm-hmm. They were playing each other. And the score of that mattered versus the score of the U.S. match. And you could hear one of the bars had on 
the Portugal game. So all of a sudden, these cheers explode. has nothing to do with what we're all watching at the end of the pier. Right. You go, oh, Portugal scored! It's kind of a, a really cool patriotic environment to stand in and people randomly starting the I believe that we will win chant, jumping yeah. up and down. It's really cool to see uh, just across the nation and across the globe people gathering and supporting their teams. It's, uh, you know, I've never been as in tune probably as I am right now with the World Cup in terms of watching it. I think ESPN is doing a a fantastic job of really presenting it, and it's on constantly, and um, it's it's really cool. The game, soccer, you know, hasn't been nearly as popular as it is in other countries here in the U.S., and it's it's fascinating if you know the intricacies of it. And, you know, I don't know all the details of it, but I'm more fired up to see the, the countries really banding together and seeing like what you saw down in Hermosa yeah. and, and people gathering and just basically having an excuse to get together and root for one cause and root for your team. And that's, that's the coolest part about it. Yeah. Have some common purpose. Yeah. In this so divergent <clears throat> time to have some common purpose. I remember four years ago, I was in Chicago for World League. Shocker, just like this year. And bars were opening at 9.30 in the morning. So people could come in and watch the games. And people were waiting outside, getting ready for the, the games. It was really same kind of cool atmosphere. I, I believe, did the U.S. make it out of group last time? I think I said this is the second consecutive time they've made it out. I think we were in the knockout round It is that day. Yeah. And I remember watching the game with my buddy Brandon Rosenthal, who's been on this show, but... Uh, World Cup fever definitely has struck once again four years later. I just wonder, what does it mean for soccer for the next three and a half years or three years and 51 weeks or whatever until we get to the next one, 49 weeks? Does it have any lasting effect at all? Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I don't know that it does. I think it's going to give it a pop. I think a lot of kids... Uh, will get more interested in it, and you, you know you want your heroes out there, and you, you, the more exposure for a sport that is there, the more popular it will get. Um, but the big question is, will soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, soccer? We want to call it soccer. You can call it ever, ever get any get the traction and, and be on the level of the big three? You know, the football, the NBA, and uh, baseball, of course. Um, I don't think so, um, but it doesn't really matter. I don't know that we should be comparing it against that. I think that it will continue in popularity. I know that I was more interested in it this this time around, and I have been, uh, and I think the way it's covered uh, has been great, and I think it will definitely continue an upward trajectory, uh, which is which is all that really matters. It's definitely on an upward trajectory. If you think back to MLS... 8, 9, 10, 12 years ago. Philip Anschutz saying, hey, I'm going to lose $22 million a year in perpetuity, no problem. I'm a billionaire. I got, I got the zeros to take care of this. It's definitely increased in popularity. Think about where the Seattle Sounders are hugely popular. They sell out up there in Seattle. There are other venues. Kansas City has a huge soccer stadium. They do well there. There's a lot of really good places for Major League Soccer looking at some attendance numbers here. Average attendance, Major League Soccer, 19 teams. This is back in 2012, Wikipedia. So 18,807 is the average attendance, which was up almost 1,000 over the previous year, and 6 million people annually. 
coming to attend the MLS. And that would rank them, let's see how this next thing is done. Yeah, it would put them down. So behind uh, the Germany, German League, the, the English League, Spain, Mexico, Italy, Netherlands, France, then USA, Canada, MLS, above China and Argentina. How about that? Above Argentina. I would not have guessed that in total attendance. Six million is a pretty good number in total attendance to give you some perspective on that. Major League Baseball, total attendance, of course, you have 162 games per. That's 74 million people. Gives you an idea where, why the numbers are driven the way they are in salaries for players. National Hockey League, 21 million. National Basketball Association, 21 million and some change. National Football League, these are back to, it varies in the year, but anywhere between 2011 and 2014. National Football League, 17 million people. Uh, but it is the television juggernaut and the average attendance. The National Football League wins that by a lot. So Major League Baseball has 74 million total attendance, but they only average 30,000 per. National Football League, 17 million in total attendance, 64,000 per. Per. 64,000. That's huge. That crushes anything else. National Hockey League, 17. Basketball, 17. Of course, smaller venues. Right. Uh, but so MLS is, is in, at least in that conversation. You can find that list. And volleyball, I don't think we're cracking the six million mark. Nah. I don't know if we're cracking the million mark. Nah, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, but World Cup fever, eh, it's fun. It's yeah, fun. It really is. I, I've enjoyed it. It gives you an excuse to get together with your, your friends and go to the bar and cheer on the United States and other countries. It, it's really cool. Uh, I, I've been fired up, and I love how long it is. I didn't realize it, it's like a month. Yeah, it's forever. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't wrap up, I think, until mid, mid-July. So the U.S. gets three or four days rest between games, and they go, oh, well, three days isn't enough. What do you mean it's not enough? <laughs> Again, back to the same thing. Really? I know. They need to play Three more. Days? It would be nice if there were more more games. When is the uh, the round of 16 for the U.S.? Is it Tuesday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow okay. at 1 Got Pacific, it. I believe. Got it. Check your local listings. I want to say congratulations to Krista Harmato, women's national team member. Got married over the weekend. Saw some pictures from folks I know. Uh, congratulations to Krista and wish you the best and hope to see you back out on the national team stage, really uh, an electric middle blocker, somebody I'd like to see get more time, really offensive middle blocker. Not offensive, offensive. See, small difference. <laughs> also, uh, I learned some stuff this past week. I learned some things that I did not know, and I appreciate this phenomenon here. Are you participating in TBT? TBT? Throwback Thursdays on social media? No, I've seen that, though. People are throwing out old photos. On Thursdays, you put out an old photo of yourself. And our own Jay Hasek, who was in your seat a week ago, I learned something new. I saw a good photo of him in a half-inch inseam when he played youth basketball. We've all had those photos. <laughs> Just skinny, awesome. young legs on full display. <laughs> all the way up. All the way up. My goodness. I didn't know Throwback Thursdays was like a theme. I just thought people were just... Put that on there, so it's a thing. people have picked it up. Yeah, it's a thing that, that that happens. So I'm gonna have to pull up some archives and start posting on on Thursday. Yeah, I want to see archives of you. Do you ever go full like huge fro? Um, I used to have like a flat top. Ooh, like uh, a yeah. Pippin style. You ever yeah. go off camber? No, I didn't go like like Cole, like uh, Miami. 
Who's yeah, who who is bringing back the Kendall Gill? Yeah, <laughs> never never got never went that far. But uh, if you look up the archives, I mean, I'm sure someone will come up with something. But uh, pretty classic. Let me let me see what uh, what Google has to offer as far as Dane Bland images. Oh, lots of uh, lots of skin here, Dane. Got nice shots of the body. <laughs> yeah, you're looking buff there. Yeah, I think you'll get back to golden the... volleyball. You and Tiger. Tiger wouldn't take off his shades. Uh, what else do we have here? It's interesting when you search a name. There's you and it's not even you. It's Stoklos, but it's not you. Who is that with Stoklos? Uh, it's not you. <laughs> you know, when you search Google, you get a lot of things. It's a lot of random stuff. There's you and Stokey in some other pictures. Somebody's misidentified it. As long as there is me and Stokey somewhere in there. Picture of Carrie Walsh. I don't know how that happened. All right. So, anyways, with Jay, I learned I learned something I did not know. He was an amateur figure skater. Really? There was a podium shot of our own Jay Hasek. That's pretty awesome. Getting a large trophy. He was in second, much like Spain this past weekend in Stravanger. Stravanger? I don't even know how to say it right. Stavanger. Stavanger? Yeah. Okay. In Stavanger. Much like that, but he's on. He's in second place. I couldn't believe it, though. An amateur how, how, figure skating powerhouse, Jay Haas. How old was he at the time? He has to be ten or something. Got it. Something like that. It was a good photo. We'll uh, we'll get it posted on our on our site. But Throwback Thursdays, that's that's pretty good. I, don't know. I just got a tweet from DJ Roche. He says, "I think that you should let me choose the songs today." Or should I just apologize for Kevin's songs now? Yeah, I'm How not opposed. That? How about that? I'm not opposed. So I get to pick the songs. What, what, what kind of music are you into? Um, everything from hip-hop to alternative. Uh, I didn't know I was going to be picking songs, though. Well, we can what, just, we is, can that just the, is that the, uh, the outro or the commercial break? Yeah, we just we, we go to commercial break, play some music, Let give us what, a chance to take a rest. Let's see what you have first, and then we'll take it from there. Well, Jeremy knows. I, I have nothing prepared. I actually was surfing my, my iTunes selections here, and uh, I, I've pretty much played out all my good stuff over previous shows when Jeremy decides to skip. So I, I might have to go, like, throwback. I'm going to have to throw it back. All right. I'm looking at a little, maybe a little Depeche Mode Violator here in a while. Let's we'll get see. to some volleyball here. You don't know how the show works. I don't even know how the show no, works. No, first 25 just... minutes, no volleyball. Nothing. You try not to do volleyball. No. So everyone like sits there and says, what are these fools talking about? The World Cup? I want to talk about volleyball. We talk about other stuff. It's not just a volleyball world, man. We've got another hour and a half to talk about volleyball. We have April Ross coming up. All right. We'll check in with uh, World League Russia. We have a lot of different stuff. What What have you been up to? Before we take a quick quick break, people don't know. You did Clippers for five years. Yeah, I did. Uh, after I got finished playing, I, I got into sports broadcasting, worked my way up, started at high school football, doing Friday Night Lights. Sounds familiar. Went from there doing uh, for Fox Sports, and then uh, they gave me some opportunity to cover USC and UCLA basketball games doing sideline reporting and then some UCLA football games which was really nice. great and then uh, I got the opportunity to fill in for someone over at a Clipper game back in 08 I think they were playing the Celtics that night and I remember I was so freaked out and scared doing my first game you're down on the court and right before the the game starts they throw it down to you and I had to do this long story on 
Sam Cassell that I didn't really know. That is a while ago. Yeah. The alien, Sam Cassell. 08 is when the Celtics actually won, so... Okay. Um, you know, the, the Clippers always pump up the big teams coming. That used to be their angle to sell, right? Right. So that was a sellout and just nervous. And I ended up uh, doing the story. I never really saw it back on tape, but I guess it was good enough because I got called back. And then uh, five years later, you know, I was doing every single game, traveling on the charter and whatnot. And, of course, eating sushi and eating sushi, living the good life on the coattails of NBA players. And then uh, I started doing a lot of uh, speaking, motivational stuff and inspirational stuff, and I loved working with kids. So I've created a nonprofit. It's called gettingtogold.com. Mm-hmm. It's uh, either gettingtogold.com or gettingtogold.org. You'll get there either way. And um, it's me going in and doing uh, usually a full school assembly, and then I do a lot of classroom breakout stuff, and then I also do a lot of e-mentoring with the kids, so we meet on like Google Hangouts or Skype mm-hmm. once a week for 20, 25 minutes, where you're not a teacher, you're not a parent, but you're kind of a mentor and, and guiding, and so a select group of kids at each school I go to will get involved in that part of the program, but it's it's really gratifying, and it's something I'm passionate about, and it's fun, you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the day when you see change and you see improvement uh, from from young people out there and kind of giving them the life lessons that you've learned. But I usually, my angle is grabbing their attention with the Olympics, the gold medal, and all that. And then once you have that attention, telling them the important stuff about education and how important it is, personal responsibility, choosing uh, the the right path, getting that education to open up, uh, their opportunity, so they have more choices. A lot of kids, freshmen especially, think they know it all, drop out of school, and then they never recover. And so I think any any of us that have been in the limelight in any capacity uh, can give back, and so it's a lot of fun. What do I hear? These no, sorry, it's just the way our technology on. works. I'm just I like I'm it. working on Jay's working on Jay's. I thing told here. you no paparazzi. <laughs> That's right. We had to have extra security from Mr. Blanton today. Come in the back, the diversionary car out front. <laughs> so how how responsive are kids today to to your message? How easy is it to get a hold of them? Uh, I think they're very responsive. I think that they're thirsting for interaction. I think kids today right now with all the technology and the devices that they have, some of them aren't interacting quite as much, and it's a shock to them when they get out past high school and more in the real world where they have to actually interact with people. I think we're being somewhat handicapped with the devices of communicating through text and and through email all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, so you want to give them some real-life experience and uh, real-world experience, and I think they're very receptive to it because I think just by human nature, you thirst for that, Um, something, something real that you're not reading off the screen. And, right. and a lot of uh, these schools that I go to, they'll, they're so happy and, and surprised. Like, you know, an Olympian came to our school. It, it makes it more real. You can show them a video all day long, but when you actually show up and they can reach out, touch, feel, take pictures, and do their thing, it, it has a lasting impact. And I'm sure you've been involved with uh, kids before and shown up. And uh, just the fact that... You're, you're an athlete, one, and you've been on, on a certain stage. It, uh, as a kid, you, you gravitate towards that. 
and uh, using that tool to tell them the real stuff is 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 a cool thing. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's fun to to talk to kids because we live in this world where we play volleyball, we know some athletes, and this and that, and it just seems like our own normal, right? But if you're a kid in Topeka right. or wherever, right. sorry to pick on Kansas today, but uh, you don't necessarily have touch with that. That's a far off thing yeah. that only appears on your TV. Pretty cool. And I've been to some, you know, far off places, Marquette, Michigan, which is way up in the upper peninsula, almost in Canada, the UP, the UP you know it. And, um, Blythe. Have you ever been to Blythe? Blythe. Montana? No, it's like no, it's California on the way driving to like Arizona. Really? Um, okay. Way out. Probably like a hundred miles past uh Palm Springs or Wow. Yeah. That's so, the desert. Yeah. And it's you just find yourself in some interesting spots and kids are kids though. Yeah. And they're there and not yeah. everyone can be in Southern California or uh, whatnot. So it's kind of cool to reach out and, and go to those different spots. It's actually one of the things I learned traveling the world is that the more you travel, the more different people you meet, the more you realize how similar people really are. Mm-hmm. Hey, we have our first guest here. She's on the line. We we don't have huge pump-up music this time. We cool. normally have massive pump-up music. Do we have any? Jeremy Roche. Do we have any? Isn't here. I don't know. I can't. I had like, I had break music planned. Oh, I think now. our guest needs some sort of music. I don't know. Do, you, you, do can, you have music? What you can pull on the fly. All right, hold on. Let's see. Because without it, I mean. Maybe we'll try this because because she just came back. A little sleepy, but. Well, you got to wait for it to kick in here. We got to. This is the best I could do on short notice with my phone. Jeremy's hating life right now. Jeremy might not come back now. <laughs> no, he has to come back. <laughs> Let's hey. Try. Our next, our next guest is just back, where she collected, I believe, her third sword, if I'm doing the math correctly, over there in Norway. Huge success in Europe. She and her new partner are delivering on some of the promise that people had hoped for them when they joined forces. She's called this show lots of times. One of my favorite things about her, she's not afraid to argue with you if she thinks you're wrong. And we need more of that here on this show. Welcome back to the Net Live again. Once again, 34-time champion, 34 titles to her name, April Ross. April. Hi. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for calling in on such short notice here on a, a Monday morning. And uh, I'll apologize for the music right off the bat. I know Jeremy does it better. We're just we're doing the best we can here. Slightly, but hey. I appreciate your effort. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, what is it about Norway that just works for you? It seems like every time you're over there, you're coming home with a, a number one spot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They asked me a bunch there, too, and I don't really have a great answer. I, this is my fourth sword, by the way. Oh, fourth. I don't mean to shortchange it. What yeah, you no, say? that's okay. Yeah. Oh, man. 2007, 2009, 2011, 2014. Oh, so what happened in 13? 7, 9, 11? <laughs> She All took right. it off the grass. They didn't have the event last year. That's the only reason why. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So no, you must be. But, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say, like, it's one of my favorite places we get to go, and it's so gorgeous. And, I mean, we've been there a bunch when the weather's just been terrible, and we've uh, this time the weather was amazing. I've never seen so many sunny, great days together in a row in, in Norway. Um, 
But I, I don't know. Like, the people are seriously so into it and so nice. And the little town is so cute. I mean, it's super expensive, but it's just fun to be there. It's a great atmosphere. And um, I don't know. Like, the competition's super tough. And I, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I just have good memories and good feelings when I'm there. Yeah, maybe we've asked you this question before, but when it comes to traveling to a particular city, I know I get pumped on places I like to go in cities that I frequent a lot. Do you have that there in Norway? Do you have a lot of places you like to haunt at and you look forward to that trip? Well, yeah. I mean, I I definitely look forward to Norway, but I wasn't particularly looking forward to going to Moscow and we still ended up winning there. So I don't know how much that plays into how you do, but... Um, definitely love going to Norway and Berlin is one of my favorite cities ever. Um, but I've never, I've never won there. So that's still on the to-do list, but, um, I, I enjoy honestly everywhere we get to go. I love traveling and I feel so blessed to be able to, to see the world through the sport, regardless of where it takes us. Yeah. A tough set of travel here. You guys are on the road for three weeks and you guys went through sort of an ebb and flow. Uh, what what would you change if you had to do the trip again right now and plan for it? Was there anything that didn't work for you on the trip? Interesting. I just got off the phone with my strength coach talking about that same thing um, or trying to figure out what worked and what didn't. Um, I don't think I took recovery as seriously as I needed to after Moscow. Like, the ground was super hard. Uh, it rained a bunch, um, so the, the sand got super hard packed, and it was kind of tough on my body. Um, I didn't really, and and we only had two days to turn around before we played, uh, in Berlin. And one of those days all day was traveling. I don't know how I could have recovered better, but I just wasn't fully recovered before we started Berlin. And then, um, because we got a fifth in Berlin, we had three days off before Norway. So that helped a ton going into Norway. It's just hard figuring out, like it's such a grind. Um, and it's so mentally and physically exhausting each tournament because you're giving it your all to to stop and recover and, and start fresh again at the next tournament so just trying to trying to work on that for for our next trip april it's dane here how are you good how are you good good uh kevin got me in here on the show today i uh did your broadcast yesterday for universal oh. sports and uh, as I normally do, and I, whenever I look and I'm like, okay, they're in the finals, it makes the show 20 times, well, 100 times. <laughs> yeah, 100 times. Yeah. It's U.S. broadcast. You want. It's tough to do like Brazil and yeah. anybody else. So next time that you're not there, you think about what you did to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, but congratulations. Well, I love making your job easier for you by being in the finals. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, congratulations. You guys are on fire. The way I, I look at it, you guys have won five out of the last seven FIVB events you've entered, and I think four of the last six Grand Slams. Um, you probably don't know that. but uh, No, I do. I'm, I'm pretty stoked on it. Yeah, is that correct? Five of the last seven? Yeah, yeah. Fifth Shanghai yeah, exactly. and a Berlin. Other than that, you guys are pretty much running the table. And we were waiting for a team to you know, really just start to dominate. And the way you guys played yesterday, and as I was commentating the match, it was, because as, as an analyst, you sit there and think, well, what can Spain do? And I was at a loss because you guys were basically putting on a clinic. How did it feel for you? Uh, and at what level were you guys playing? Was that the best volleyball you guys have played? Yeah, I mean, I think we had a few ups and downs 
through the tournament in Norway. Uh, mm-hmm. Slovakia gave us a little bit of a run for our money in the semis. They played really well. But I think that helped us prepare for the finals that same day. Um, and, I, yeah, I feel like we played great in the finals. The first half of the first game, we were kind of, we were kind of feeling it out a little bit, and it was back and forth, point for point. Um, and then we kind of figured it out and, and adjusted how we needed to stuck to that game plan and um, just executed, I think, really well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was telling people, I think that was definitely the best match we played in Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the best match we played the whole stretch of the three tournaments. Um, but it felt really good. And it just felt like Carrie and I were in a rhythm. We we had a good feel for what each other was doing without even communicating. And, and it just felt really good. Yeah, and it seemed like, and I don't know what you're doing. I know you have strength coaches and, and whatnot, and you basically have everything covered. But it looks like your arm swing is quicker, uh, and you look stronger and in possibly the best shape is that accurate well that's the goal um just to get in better and better shape i feel like that's something that's totally in my control and um something i can keep improving on uh i I mean i definitely think i'm the strongest i I may have ever been um thanks to tim palo who also works with like casey and jake and whitney um and so that so that the strength feels really good uh marcio uh, Sicoli, who's our coach, um, has been working a little bit on my arm swing with me. I, I haven't really been trying to apply it too much in matches, but uh, that might that might be the reason my arm swing looks a little bit different. But it just it feels really good, and we've kind of been working on running a lower tempo set than I have I've done in the past uh, with Jen. So maybe that's <laughs> forcing my arm to get up faster. I don't know, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're, uh, it, you know, like, you're just always trying to prove it any way you can all the time. So I just feel like I'm working with really great people, and, and they're kind of showing me the way, and all I have to do is, you know, listen to them and, and try my hardest. And what about Carrie? She has moved to the right, and it seems like you guys have found the, you know, optimum positions for both of you. Having her on the right, she's adapted pretty quickly. Yeah, she. <laughs> Yeah, she. I think she can be dominant on either side, and, and she's finding that dominance for sure on the right side now. Um, and I think throughout the last three weeks, you know, we've figured out some things with her on the right, and um, I'm still getting the feeling of where exactly she wants her set. And, but, like, when I can give her the set she wants and the set she needs, like, it's it's it just feels like it's lights out. And now she's getting comfortable enough to kind of mix up the sets because, if you're not comfortable, it's hard to to run, you know, quick sets or back sets. You're just so concerned with being in a rhythm with your normal set. But I think now she's feeling more like more in a rhythm on the right, and so she's going behind and she's running some quick sets, and you know that's just that's even harder to stop. Um, so I think it, you know it's been a little bit up and down, but she's definitely getting way more comfortable over there. Nice. Um, I know your goal. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is to get back to the games in 2016 and upgrade that medal that you got uh, and, and bring home a gold. Um, we celebrate silver here, by the way, Dane Blanton. No, but I, <laughs> on the net live, we celebrate silver. Uh, absolutely. Okay, just check, just making sure. But we always strive for more. Sure. But right? we, and I've talked to April. We like the medal. I'm, April, am I April accurate, likes the medal. Am I accurate in, in my... <laughs> 
in what I'm saying. Yes, I am so, I am so, 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 so proud of what I did with Jen and winning the silver. Um, but you know, yeah, like you said, Dane, it's, it's about, you know, being out here and, and striving for more and, and, you know, chasing that excellence and, um, yeah, you know, the anything, goal for me well, think, be... I think, Sorry, I think Kevin was got, you know, I don't know what happened there, but I wasn't taking <laughs> anything silver. I mean, if you go to the Olympics, it's an accomplishment. If you bring home a medal, it's spectacular. And uh, yeah. But my question is, if the Olympics were today, you guys obviously would be there. Who Who's the second U.S. women's team at, right now in oh. Europe? Is that putting you on the spot or... That's putting me on the spot, yeah, but um, I've played Lauren and Brooke a few times. I've played Emily and Summer now uh, twice. Um, and, you know, both teams have, you know, a ton of potential, and and I think Whitney and Jen need to figure some things out because on paper, you know, they're they're a great team, and uh, they've just had some... Yeah, Pavlik and Fatma. So, I mean, they could, I feel like they could, you know, change a couple things and be right in the mix, too. Um, what about Brittany, I, honestly, Carico? Oh, Brit- do they have potential to uh, be in the mix? They do. I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty common knowledge that they're dealing with a little bit of injury right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but if they were healthy, for sure, for sure they'd be in the mix. Um, but it's so hard. It's so hard to tell. You know, I, Brittany. I mean, uh, Lauren and Brooke are, are doing well, and so are Summer and Emily. Um, I really think the second spot is still open, um, especially between those two teams right now. Got it. But I mean, they're not even close. You guys crushed Summer and Emily, twenty-one sixteen, twenty-one fourteen, and you've really had their number all year. They had that pop last year. They came on the scene, but. Isn't it true, like, once people figure you out and you're not a new team, it becomes much more difficult? It really does. I remember when Jen and I first got on the scene and people were just like, uh, we have no idea who these girls are, what they're going to do. And then once they kind of catch on, but they, they formulate a pretty good game plan against you. And then, and then you have to, you know, uh, adapt and change your game, and it really forces you to get better, at least, um, you know, in my opinion, that's kind of what happened with Jen and I. We had to really dig in deep and change things, get a coach, and and figure out how to get better, um, and and win against teams who who know, who have a good idea of of what you're going to do. So, yeah, I think Summer and Emily are dealing with that a little bit right now, for sure, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond to it. April, when it comes to pregame prep for you and Carrie, what are you guys doing to prepare for the opponent? What are you looking at? Video, uh, your own personal experience, how much are you drawing on coaches' information? What does that whole process look like? How much time are you putting into your opponent? Um, well, that's an interesting question. We had Marcio with us in Berlin, um, and you know he's super intelligent and so good with uh, as a coach, and um, so we're trying to find that balance of, you know, his how how much we listen, you know, heed his game plan versus what we feel on the court. Um, but I think we get out there. Uh, well, preparation wise, you know, 
Um, Carrie and I have our own kind of ways of mentally preparing, and then we come together on the warm-up court and, and talk a little bit about what we think we're going to do against the team. And, and honestly, if we, 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 we like to focus a lot more on what we're going to do than, than on who we're playing. I mean, definitely we'll talk about the tendencies of the other team. And, um, but I think one thing that works for us is uh, we don't, you know, commit solidly to one specific game plan going in. If, if something feels like it's not working, then uh, we change and adapt pretty quickly. Uh, but, I mean, it's still a work in progress. I think that's one of the things that we can improve on the most since we're still kind of a new team is is figuring out that uh, that preparation routine and, and what works best for us. I think I think we came a long way in Norway with that. Yeah, you mentioned knowing kind of what to change and what to do with each other and that innate communication without having to speak. How How are you able to develop that? It seems like you and Carrie have developed that fairly quickly. Um, I think it's just playing. It's playing and playing and playing. Um, and we do, I mean, we communicate a lot after the game. We're very we're very open and receptive to what each other needs. And I think because, um, you know, we're able to talk afterwards and, and be honest and not take it personally, um, it just helps us grow that much faster. Um, I don't know. It's, it's easy for me with Carrie because she takes so much court uh, to – focus on, you know, where I need to be, and, and, I'm, and I'm learning a lot about how other people play against her, so on defense, you know, what to look for um, around her, uh, and, and so it's just experience, um, and then getting just more and more used to her being on the right. So, so April, uh, switching gears a little bit, you went to Moscow, Berlin, Norway, those are all great cities. I want to hear a good story, the best party. Uh, give me something <laughs> on, this last, on this last road trip. And I know by that laugh right there that there is something. Oh, man. Um, you know, to be honest, like, I'm so focused and so motivated that there hasn't, like, we didn't go to a party in Moscow. We didn't go to a party in Berlin. I had my birthday in Berlin, but all we we hung out at the player dinner and just ate and opened presents and stuff. Um, we did to celebrate. We went out in in Norway to the player party finally, um, and that was super super fun. We just we just pogoed a lot and nice. enjoyed ourselves. You I had it on Saturday, right? You finished on Saturday. We finished on Saturday. I had to leave for the airport at three thirty in the morning, so oh. we were. We were at the club till about two. I got about a, an hour of sleep, so that was kind of a painful flight home. But it was, it was worth it. All the Americans were out, and a lot of the players were out, so it was it was fun to finally get to hang out with everybody. Is the most fun event still? Is it is it Klagenfurt, or is has that changed? I mean, Norway is a super fun event. Like they have great. I, I think their player party is awesome. Berlin has a great player party, um, but I think as a whole, Klagenfurt, like, dur- like during the day, it's just such a festival, and it's just so fun to be at and be at the games. Uh, I think for sure Klagenfurt. I'm really looking forward to that one. I and remember. And I think Long Beach is pretty fun, too. Got it. Yeah, you brought back memories, because I remember in Klagenfurt, we'd always fly out on Monday morning at like 5.30 a.m., so partying the night before, you just 
decide that you're just going to do an all-nighter and go straight through. <laughs> Uh, otherwise, it always sounds like a good idea that night, and then in the morning you're like, I'm never gonna do that ever again. I know, but one time I got back at three in the morning, and I decided to take a nap, and then I woke up to the birds chirping, and it was like seven in the morning, and I had a five thirty. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so there is something to be said about going straight through. <laughs> so yeah, knock that- on wood, I haven't missed any flights yet. That, that would suck. April, you mentioned Long Beach, and you get the opportunity to kind of play host there. You must have friends from other countries on the tour, folks you enjoy hanging out with. And do you get a chance in Long Beach to host a dinner or give people recommendations on places to go and kind of expose them to what you have here closer to home? Yeah, I definitely – I think everybody loves coming to California to play. And uh, I, I – Give the yeah, I like to give recommendations to to uh, some of my friends on tour, but at the same time, like I I, I don't know I I just I want to focus on playing, so I, I'm not like hosting dinners or anything. I do you know offer my house up for people if they want to stay there beforehand, but um, it's all about it's all about the tournament and and trying to win. Um, if other people want to go out and have a good time, I'll tell them where to go, but I'm honestly probably not going to go with them. Hey, I don't know April. if that sounds bad or not, but... No, you, you 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 seem so focused, and which is so great, and you're always looking to get better. Can you share with us some of uh, your goals? Obviously, the obvious one would be the Olympics, but do you have any goals in mind, like number of tournaments you're trying to win, or is it just one weekend at a time? Are there, or is there anything you can I share? I know what she's going to say here. It's one at a time. We'll see. Right, yeah, see. no, yeah, one at a time for sure. And just, I think, learning how to maximize our potential week in and week out. Um, you know, I just, I want to win every single tournament. So I'm I'm always focused on the present, um, you know, with an eye on the future, obviously. And uh, I have a couple tournaments that I'd, definitely like to win you know it'd be amazing to win in long beach uh it'd be great to win clog and furt um but i think other than that it's just just focusing on doing our best every week do you feel the weight of external expectations i think a lot of people felt like rosie and phil last year despite some wins they didn't really dominate the way that they they anticipated when that partnership was announced it seems like you and Carrie are hitting a stride that people go, oh, yeah, this is what we expected from two great players joining forces. Do you ever feel that, that external expectation from anywhere? No, honestly, I, I, I don't, and I, I try to maintain that. I try really hard not to, not to focus on that or feel that because, you know, win or lose, ultimately the person who has to deal with it is me, um, you know, and so... I love I love hearing the support of other people, but um, you know I don't I don't feel their expectations, and I don't really pay attention to their expectations. Um, I just try to do the best I can for me and for Carrie and for the people who help us and put their time and effort into our team. You know I want to do well for them, you know also. But um, I think to, we keep it, or at least I keep you know expectations to to our little team and what we want to do. So, April, uh, as we wrap things up, I, 
I know out there a lot of the the women are, are friends out there, but who who's your rival? I mean, I know when I used to play with Eric uh, Fanoi Moana, we used to hate you know Brazil when we got on the court. It was like we wanted to destroy that team. How is it on the women's side right now? Are you, are you all just really good friends? And if so, what happens when that whistle blows? Or or who is who's a big rival that you really want to beat down bad every time? Well, I think just. Just on a you know in a general sense, USA versus Brazil is always a really big rival rivalry. So anytime we get out there against Brazil, we know it's going to be a battle, and we want to we want to win so bad. And then I think we definitely hold a grudge against any team that we've lost to uh, in the past. So um, there are a couple teams out there that you know we want a second chance at, and and if we get on the court, you know we're gonna we're gonna just. You know, no, no, no holding back. Um, who is the best? But, who is the best women's Brazil team right now? They're, they've kind of mixed it up, and Juliana's back on the scene. Yeah. Um, there, I think each one finishes higher each week. It's uh, there's Barbara and Agatha, who we lost to in Shanghai, and they, you know, when they play well, they're they're really good. Juliana and uh, Maria Elisa, they. When they play well, they're really hard to beat. Um, and then uh, Larissa's coming back. She's going to partner with Talita, who's been doing really well with her current partner, Tayana. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Tayana's out. Larissa and Talita are going to be a team. Well, I think that, they'll that be in Long Beach together. Well, that'll be a strong team. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to see how they are. Um, but, yeah, they can all be good on different weekends for sure. April Ross, congratulations on your success so far this year with you and your partner, Carrie Walsh. Thanks for spending some time with us. And, and last thing before you go, can you clarify for myself, for the listener, when I go to travel with my sword, what is the TSA policy regarding sword transportation? <laughs> I think they have a strict no sword carry-on <laughs> or checked or anything. So they take our address and they ship it to us. I've never tried to get one on a plane, so I honestly don't know. I'm not willing to try. Just four. Four swords from Norway. Casey Patterson could have used one yeah. yesterday. <laughs> Deflate the slide. Where uh, Did you hear about that, April? Casey's flight? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, that's so scary. The, uh, yeah, the, the emergency. Tide. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, Where uh, are, those, any, are those swords on your wall? or Does Brad take them out and... Brad Brad knows better. He did take my Olympic medal one time to poker night and put it on the pot, but uh in a joking in a joking sense they made sure they took a picture and sent it to me. Um but he he's never touched my swords. My a couple of my friends though, without my knowledge, has taken them out and tried to do some uh some sword fighting with some bushes in my front yard, but that's all that's happened. There, things I learned there, today. There, things I learned today. Stored Brad safely in my extra bedroom. Excellent. Brad Keenan has never touched April's swords. Just things that I know that I'm not. I'm not sure about <laughs> in the world. April Ross, thank you so much for calling in today, and congratulations. Good luck this weekend domestically in Milwaukee. And good luck the rest of the summer. We'll uh, we'll check in with you again. Yeah, thanks, April. Okay, thank you so much. Good talking to you guys. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, April. See you. All, All right. right. Bye.
April Ross checking in just back from Norway. And, uh, you know, Dane, I kind of teased you about that when you asked about, are you, are you planning? Cause we had her a few weeks ago and she said that she really liked a quote from Carrie and, and I do as well. Carrie, they were discussing strategy and peaking and, and whatever else throughout a season. And, and Carrie just said, look, I want to win every time. That's what I want to do. I want to win every single time. Right. That's it. And I love that attitude. Not, not well, we're training here to try and get to there. No. I want to win in every tournament. Mm-hmm. So they're focused on each, each event. And I like that, that mentality. Uh, and I think they're capable of, of doing it. You know, Carrie, of course, had that run with Misty um, years back where they went on an 89-match I've, I've heard of that. I've heard of that. It's just mind-boggling. And I think that uh, this team has the potential to do similar things. I think there's a lot more parity, though, out there on, on the women's side now, so it might be a little more difficult. But to put up similar numbers is not a stretch, and they are so physically dominant, April yeah. and Carrie. And one thing that they have that Misty and Carrie did not have is the servings. April is a very tough server, one of the best servers on tour, and I think that's forced Carrie to serve tougher as well and if you have a tough serve it makes the rest of the game a lot easier misty and carrie used to kind of just kind of lollipop it in because they were so good play some defense yeah they were so good defensively and then so great blocking but add in that serve and that's what makes this duo of april ross and uh carrie walsh jennings the uh possibly able to do even more special things of course they're not going to win three goals be a lot of tournaments they're not going to win they're not going to do it over the, the amount of time, that's for yeah. sure. But they have the opportunity to do some special things. And, of course, um, if they can bring home a gold in, in 2016, that would be absolutely the top. And I, and I think they're on the, the, the right track. <laughs> you, know, you always hope that you're not, good. you're not peaking. But winning five of the last seven events uh, on the FIVB that they've competed in is... Astonishing. And they started out on top in the AVP this year, winning in St. Petersburg. And I'm sure they're the front runners when they get to Milwaukee this weekend. Yeah. And Brad Keenan, of course, winning last time out. AVP yeah, that as well. was awesome. I was, so. I was tired of saying that Brad is the best player out there never to have won. He had nine second-place finishes. And I believe the, the most devastating one was in Santa Barbara a few years ago, and he was up 14-9 to in rally scoring and lost oh. in the third. Oh. And, uh Barf. Yeah, I've had that happen. I was up with Eric Fenoy Moana in 2000 in Hermosa in the final. I think we're up 13-7 against Dax Holdren and Todd Rogers and lost. In uh, rally? In rally score. Oh, the first year gosh. rally scoring. So when people ask me my worst loss 13, in history, 13-7 or 13-8. And that's the worst loss. It sticks out to this day. They just kept serving Fenoy, didn't they? You, just, you couldn't put the ball <laughs> away. It's a shame. I wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have a lot more to come here on the Net Live. We will talk a little bit more about FIVB since we do have Dane Blanton here. We'll talk about the future of that. AVP, of course, coming up this next week, happening in Milwaukee. We'll touch on the World League, try and give away some tickets to USA Volleyball Cup. That and more is still to come here on the Net Live. Try and get the music right a little bit.
Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. I want to make sure we thank our sponsors, the ABCA Volleyball Magazine, for getting behind us. And now 6-8 Clothing Company, you've been hearing about them here on the show. We hope you've been checking them out either on Amazon or on their own site, 6-8ClothingCompany.com. That is the word six, the number eight, and ClothingCompany.com. They understand the challenges you're facing when you're trying to find jeans that are long enough and from a current fashion era they understand how tough it is to find a trendy polo or button-up, something that isn't six miles wide. And actually, I left a shirt behind in Chicago because it was one of my old shirts. I wore it. I put it on. I hated it because it was a squirrel shirt. That's what those are, squirrel shirts, where you put your arms out and you're a flying squirrel. It's like elbow <laughs> to your waist, and you just have material there, and you could fly out of a tree. I got rid of that because I am sick of stuff that doesn't fit, and 6'8 ha- understands they are designing Clothes for a tall man. It's done by a tall man at 6'8 Clothing Company. They have your back, all 39 inches of it. Dress well, live tall, 6'8ClothingCompany.com. And put in TNL10, get 10% off. you also find them in Volleyball Magazine. They are getting into the volleyball world in a big way. Make sure you get out and support them and let them know that the NetLive sent you. Thanks for being here. Kevin Barnett in the home court with special guest host, Dane Blanton, sitting in for Jeremy Roche. We're still waiting for a musical selection, Dane. We're still waiting for something. I can plug in a phone or whatever. You know, if you have a go-to song that you want to play, Jeremy has uh, has requested it. Okay. You know, just don't leave me out I here. Got to, I've I got, got enough, you covered. Let me know when you need it. I've got enough rope to hang myself already on the, right. the musical side of things. So we'll see what uh, what you have to offer. Sounds good. <laughs> World League Russia happened this past weekend. If you want to watch it, it's going to be on Universal Sports coming up on the weekend. It will get done this week. I have not seen the matches yet. I will, of course, but I do know the scores. Night number one, United States goes up two sets to none on a much-improved Russian squad. And by much-improved, I mean they had most of their actual players, not the group we saw in Long Beach. And they go up two sets to none. More impressively, it was about, I think it was 18 and 19. Don't quote me on it, because I don't have to do it till Wednesday. But 18 and 19, it was in the teens, and they were dominating. They lose the third set 27-25, and all of a sudden it starts to look like the Olympic Games, where the U.S., of course, was 4 or 5-0, and 0, undefeated in their pool, and faced Russia, won the first two sets, lost the third, fourth, and fifth. The U.S. found themselves in a battle all the way to the fifth set, 21 19 in the fifth, U.S. comes out on top. So congratulations to the U.S. men. Uh, Good tweet from Matt Gardhoff. He said that I I wanted to give those guys a high-fiver joke that goes back here on the show, Dane. Let's talk about Gardhoff. That guy's like the leader. Oh, he's unbelievable, isn't he? You were there Saturday in Long Beach, right? He's awesome. The Saturday-Russia match, triangle hat. Can we duplicate him? Yeah, but just don't make a copy of a copy. Multiplicity yeah. taught us that, right? You can make one copy, but don't copy a copy. No, he's good. He's great. He's uh, rallied the troops. That whole, what was it, the volley, volley cue? Volby cue. Volby cue. Volby cue, yeah. Volby cue three. Pretty uh, successful. So here you are coming from the beach world and stepping into the volby cue, and you're impressed. Yeah, it was, it was like rallying the troops. I mean, and, uh, I, w- I went to the second Russia uh, game in Long Beach, the night of the Volby Q. Who came up with that name? <laughs> That's Gardhoff. Nice. 
And uh, but what was more impressive was in the arena and the cheering and the costumes. I think what was he? I don't know, George Washington. George Washington, yeah. And then there was uh, a Martha too. Oh man! <laughs> but I think who, who was stole, not female? The the outfit that stole the show was the James Brown. I recall with the. the oh, oh yeah! Oh my gosh, that was classic. That was <laughs> straight amazing. out of Rocky. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> So, anyways, we need more more mats out there that uh, rally the troops like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we certainly do need more Matt Gardhoff and uh, World League Russia. The United States now eight and two on the strength of that home schedule. They were undefeated until that last home match against Bulgaria. Now they split because the next night with Russia it was three sets to none. Yeah, so Russia is this a different well. Russian team than I saw in Long Beach? Right. So there's a twenty. Four-man roster. Okay. 24-man? I'm pretty sure it's 24. Whatever the number is, it's a large number of eligible players for World League. Okay. The O2-BIS form, they call it. Don't ask me why. But O2-BIS form that you list all of your eligible players, then you select 12 for each match. 12 for each weekend, I think, is actually how they do it. You do 12 for each weekend that are the selectees for that particular And so the other series. 12 are not... They're not, not even present. They're no. back in Russia? Right. Oh, okay, so they fly out for those those ones who were at home for Long Beach, came out to uh, Chicago. Right. Got it. And that was kind of the... Or, well, it came to Long Beach. Sorry, not to Chicago, because they went to Long Beach and they're playing in Russia. But you bring a squad of 12, but it didn't include Dmitry Muserski, their 7'2 medal, right, who played opposite and won the gold medal in, okay. in London. Didn't include him. Didn't include Maxim Mikhailov, who was their opposite at the time. So let me get this straight. The two matches in Long Beach yeah. that the United States played Russia, right. have they played Russia since? Yeah, they played them the last two nights. In Russia. Russia. Right. Got it. And that team, a lot stronger. A lot stronger. Got it. Got a lot it. stronger. And the U.S. <laughs> still came out on top in five and then got pretty well handled. I don't think beat down. Handled mm-hmm. night number two, three zero. Now, was there a difference between those two nights in terms of personnel? No. 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 Got it. U.S. still relying quite a bit on Matt Anderson at the opposite. He was racking up the points at one juncture in the match, night number one, midway through the third set. Midway through the third set, I think he had 19 kills. Wow. Something close to that. It was pretty impressive numbers for Matt Anderson. Taylor Sanders still playing a good role at the outside. I have not seen the stats the data volley stats with all the the percentages and everything. I'll tell you what. When I went to that match in Long Beach, Sander was impressive. He, you know, I, I looked double a few double takes in in terms of the athleticism he has. The uh, and he's so young, uh, so much potential. But the way he jumped, what does he have? A forty six inch jump or something? something like that? Forty five maybe. Yeah. Like a we, young. We put a vert machine on him. You know, they have a new vert tool. The little thing you wear, we got one. 43.8 in warm-ups. Wow. It's like a young Kevin Barnett. That's higher. It is a little higher? A little higher. I went 40. <laughs> Couldn't, maybe 40 and a half. I could not go 43. That's, that's awesome. That's and he's about what? He's, he's and he six. can pass and play defense. Yeah, he's, a, he's an all-around guy. He'd be, yeah. he'd be perfect on the beach. Um, but he's going to make a lot of money internationally, right? He says he'd be making a tenth of what he probably signed for in Verona, right? Nice. Nice. Is he already he signed? In, he signed in Italy in Verona professionally. 
He'll be spending his first season there. And what kind of uh, can you disclose those facts? Or I don't in, know a figure for him. In a ballpark, mid one hundreds. Okay, would be my guess. I don't know. Well, I thought in Russia guys were making yes eight nine hundred. That, it it has fallen off a bit. Uh-huh. The top is still very high. The middle range has fallen off a bit. You're still talking about a player who's just out of college. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good contract. Someone told me he had a good offer from China. Mm-hmm. Maybe he told me that. I know somebody told me he had a good offer from China that he didn't take because of the quality of play there. China's the kind of place where you want to finish your career. I was talking to uh, one of the Bulgarians. They're, they're outside. And talking to him about his career he's been in Russia he makes 4 or 500,000 in Russia but he doesn't take his family mm. he, there's just no way that he he wants to have his family there it's very tough on him on his kids on his wife on everybody and he said he's looking at an offer in China that I think was perhaps even more maybe that was it, it was 4 or 500 in China and he makes like 350 or 400 in Russia but he wanted the competition level still mm. Because it's just not there in China. I know Dave Lee went to China this last year, did quite well financially. Everything got paid appropriately and on time. Because that's another thing Sanders going to have to worry about is whatever you signed for in Italy, they probably won't pay it. They might. But I'm going to say well over 50% of the time you're not going to get all your money. What, your agent to have that Yeah, and your performance. It's not – they somehow feel that when they sign you for whatever the dollar amount is, if they're not happy with your performance, they can withhold some money. It's incentive-based, but you don't know it. Right, exactly. But like Reed Pretty, when over in Russia, he was making ballpark. I mean, he went through the peak years, too, and numbers I've heard thrown around in that era are nine. Wow. 7.50. And I don't know how accurate any of that stuff is, not specific to Reed. Right. I've heard contracts, you know, over well over a mil. Wow. The rumor we heard for Loy his last year was one eight. Wow. It's extraordinary. But Ball, I think the Russian players he had are making that much. Incredible career. Huh? Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> How long did he play internationally? Twenty years? Close to it, yeah. And where is he now in Should have been uh, a setter. Where does he live? In a beautiful lake house outside Fort Wayne, Indiana. Fort Wayne. Yeah. I heard he's kinda like the mayor of Fort Wayne. He basically he owns, could be. he owns the town. He could be. The good life. Arnie's retiring this year. Nice. So nice. Yeah, no, and that's kind of one of the things I wanted to touch on, Dane. When we have you here. We've touched on this before with the beach, but I'm I was looking at the stars of today on the U.S. side of the beach. Carrie Walsh, Jennings. She will be 36 this year. She'll be 38 by the time the Olympics wander around. Phil, 34, he'll be 36. Rosie, 34, he'll be 36. Jake is 38. I would not have guessed that. That That is older than I would have thought. He'll be 40. Casey is 34. He'll be 36 at the time of the Rio games. John Hyden is uh, 41. He'll be 42 this year. So that means he'll be 44 in the same year as the Olympics. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed 67. So 44, good number there for John Hyden. Uh, Triborn, here's some youth. He's 25. He'll be 27. Theo Bruner, 29. He'll be 31. And it took Theo a few years to kind of get going here because he's just bursting on the scene. I thought Theo would be 25 or something. But those are the only uh, only guys I could find in here. And I, I was going to look, look up April in here as well. April's 34. 34. So she'll be 36, right? Mm-hmm. 
So when you look at that, that's a problem. Where are all the 25, 26, 27-year-old players that are going to fill this void that is coming? And I, and I, based on today, I think Kerry makes it. Phil makes it. Rosie makes it. Jake, he's in incredible physical condition, makes it. Casey makes it. However, beyond that... Are you talking for 2016? Correct. Uh-huh. 16. I think those players make 16. Does John Hyde make it? <laughs> I I would have bet against John Hyden, but I don't know about right now that I would bet against John Hyden. Uh, I don't think I don't think he wins enough tournaments to make it. Honestly, he became the oldest ever winner of an FIVB event two weeks yeah, ago. That was awesome, remarkable in in Berlin. And I've trained with John, and if a guy is going to make it to like you said, forty four, and, and possibly playing in the Olympics, it, it would be him. He takes care of himself. He trains hard. He eats well, and he's very focused. And it's interesting. It's probably sparked a little bit of a, a newness in John this international play. Because remember when he was playing with Sean Scott, they didn't play internationally. Yeah. They never went anywhere. And you start to learn more playing internationally how difficult it is. Mm-hmm. And they are working their way through the qualifier, and he won that event. I, I believe he got fifth um, just yesterday in, in Norway. Um, so he's up there. If he can start finishing consistently like that, um, this might be a rebirth kind of. A, you know, He hasn't played internationally, and to do it for a couple of years, it might spark a little fire in him. And why not? Right now, I mean, I see Jake and Casey kind of struggling out there. Um, two seventeenths, I think, in the last uh, couple events. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they'll be back. Uh, but those three teams, I think, Triborn and Hyden being kind of the new new face coming up, and then yeah, John Hyden, the new face I love uh, it. on the tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he's still coming out of the qualifier. Yeah. Um, but on the top, of course, Phil and Rosie, who won yesterday in Norway, and then uh, Jake and Casey. But you're right; there is an issue with age here. Uh, the next generation. Who's going to be the next generation? I don't know if uh, if they're out there and, or have emerged yet. All I, all I'm seeing right now is Triborn and, and Theo uh, that have made a little bit of noise. On the women's side, Emily Day could go another round. Summer Ross could go another round. Summer Ross another round. She's Meaning got plenty around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, <laughs> but, of course, Lane Carrico. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is all assuming health for everybody. Yeah, these are all, they're all very young. Brooke but. and Lauren, probably another round, right? Whitney and Jen, maybe. Maybe. But uh, Carrie would be 42. Love Carrie. Love what she's done. I'm, I'm going to bet against 42 right now, today. Well, Phil would I don't be think 40. Carrie, yeah, yeah, I don't think Carrie would even have aspirations. If, if she won a fourth gold medal, I think that would be it. But, I mean, it is Carrie Walsh. She might have another kid and go what back. What else are you going to do? She might have another kid and go back yeah. in 2020. Maybe. Never count her out. I, I'd love to see it. I, I just, from a betting man's perspective right now, looking forward, projecting six years, i, I got to say no. Uh, you weren't going to bet on the Spurs either. That's, that's maybe true. I would root for him. Jake would be 44. Casey would be 40. Hayden would literally be 47. I kind of make jokes and use the number 47. Hayden actually would be 47, going 48, <laughs> come Tokyo. Uh, 
so you, you have to look to these guys. Bourne, Brunner, Ross, Day. You have to you have to look further down the list, and then who else is going to emerge? Who is going to make a choice to play beach? Is it going to be enough what the AVP is doing this year? What will the AVP do in the next cycle? Because I think we can we can count on them through Rio, but can we count on them past Rio? I don't know. We don't have information. When you say count on them. To, to be in business. To support players playing. To support a tour. The national team will exist. That is increasingly the option. I think by 20, that's the option. But they have to pull players over and make them decide to play beach. Yeah. I, I think the... I think the international FIVB international beach circuit will be strong as it is right now. I mean, it's pretty crazy right now. Ten point two million dollars—that's uh, a record. Um, <clears throat> they'll be around, of course. The AVP uh, will be around, I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. There, because the way they're going about business, we've seen so many people, uh, so many owners, or. Um, CEOs, presidents at the AVP ha- who have kind of gone for the short, short dollar, and the way that Donaldson is doing it, it seems that he's taking a slow, methodical approach. He has the luxury to do that um, financially, and they're having a lot of the same events that they had last year. Sure, there's only seven, eight events total. I'd like to see that get to 12. 12, 13 events, but you're going to start conflicting with the uh, FIVB. And and I like the fact that they have gone away from conflicting with the FIVB right. because then you don't lose some of those top players because, as you're saying, there's a handful of three or four teams on each side that you want you want to have those teams in each event. And uh, Could the AVP adopt something similar to what the FIVB has done, have a two-tiered tournament system where at some of those events they're going to expect that Carrie and April Phil and Rosie those players aren't going to be there because they will be on the FIVB but they can still run a viable event with the next tier of stars because it's nice to not conflict with the FIVB but from a standpoint of of growing a tour getting back to the days of the AVP of old when you had 25 events. <laughs> yeah, or, or 15 events, right, or 12 exactly. you're talking about, right? Trying to get back to that point, you're going to conflict with Absolutely. these other tours that are happening. There's, there's no way to... There aren't enough weekends. There's only so many weekends. Right, we can't hold beach volleyball in January, realistically. Right. So, do you hold events where you know you're not going to get the top people because they're going to go to FIVB, but you can develop and sell your other stars? Can you, can you reap dollars from that? Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure of uh, the business model of that, but I do believe that the AVP needs like a feeder tour, like the mm-hmm. AVP Next that they had uh, in the years past where players that are up and coming have a format and a place to play that they can earn some points and get up to that higher level event. Um, as you're saying, maybe there's two tiers, maybe there's the AVP and there's AVP Next, there's some sort of feeder tour, but I think there's a massive market for that feeder system because the AVP, their model isn't to sustain everyone in volleyball. And I think that's what the misperception is. That's why the draws are 16 uh, teams right now. They're not 32, 48 teams until 
they have success and more financial success, more sponsors, then you start to open up that draw possibly. But uh, from my perspective, it's it's kind of pointless to open up the draw from a financial side. I know that everyone wants to play and be supported, um, but it's a question of do we want everyone making pennies or do we want to create some stars and get it to a level to where that opens up at a later time. Well, that's what I wonder, because you need to have a pipeline. We just went no, through no, this no here. No question about it. The pipeline, now for women, I think it's going to change because of collegiate sand. I think you're going to fill that pipeline. We're still going to have a problem four years, the four years between Rio and Tokyo, but maybe not, just potentially a problem. But I think the women are going to fill that with that collegiate sport, and you're going to have a definite flow of experienced, coached, trained athletes. The men is going to be another issue. But would the AVP benefit from running some of those events where you are bringing in people, you are essentially paying them to be professionals, paying them to train by holding events in which they win prize money, mm-hmm. right? Because the national team can only support so much, and the FIVB can only provide so much opportunity because it's expensive to get there. And the AVP at this point is only providing so much opportunity mostly to the same athletes. The rich are getting richer as far as opportunity goes. April Ross and Kerry Walsh innings have every opportunity to play. Right. But if you're a team that's just off the top five teams, so you're only talking about 10 people, if you're that 12th, 13th, 14th player, which is pretty good in a 300 million person society, you don't have a lot of opportunities to play where you can make it a profession. You can continue to commit yourself to playing, training, grinding, whatever is necessary to maybe one day be one of those 12, would the AVP benefit by running tournaments and essentially supporting a deeper field of athletes? Would they benefit from a business model or would they benefit from creating more players for the United States? I'm saying from a business model, long-term business construction of stars, following fans, well, I think you. I think you. Does hit, that make any sense? You hit it on the head with the women's side. The the players are going to be developed. It's like if you look at. So they don't have to do it. Yeah, if you look at Major League Baseball, right? Yeah. You have the minor leagues, right? And if you look at basketball, you have college. Mm-hmm. There's no minor league NBA. I mean, you have the D League, but you don't play in the. They D-League. tried that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> the feeder system for the NBA is collegiate. Right. Okay. So that's going to take care of itself on the women's side. Because you're going to have these just absolute studs coming out of women's volleyball because they're going to, it's going to trickle down. There's beach programs at the high school level right now. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of, it will be a full-fledged NC2A sport in 2016. And now some of these schools that have 12 full rides indoor now have an additional 10 full rides on the beach, which is awesome. You know, like Pepperdine, uh, schools like that. Um, USC, all, you know, all the big volleyball schools. Florida State. Yeah, all these these schools will now have another 10 scholarships. So the feeder system is going to take care of itself on the women's side. On the men's side, it's a different story. But the players are going to emerge. They always do. It's like up until the, no one's developed any of the athletes that have won Olympic medals on the beach side to this day. USA Volleyball hasn't developed those players. They've done it on their own because right. I was one of those players. In, you know, in well, the AVP developed it. Yeah, the AVP and the was FIVB. The, form- no? the, AVP, the AVP was the format. Exactly. Right. 
Exactly. So you have to have a platform to play on. And I think the AVP eventually needs more events. Um, but I think that the players will emerge. I, I, I do agree with you. If there was a better feeder system, a better feeder tour that you could sustain, you would have a bigger pool to draw from. A yeah. bigger pool would be fighting to get up there. It's like we're saying right now, like a triborn right now, right? Who, who else is in his class around his age? That, uh, That's I, choosing beach? Yeah, yeah, on the beach. Like yeah. right now, like if you had a great feeder system, there might be five of him. You see what I'm saying? Right. There might be five of him. So I think the United States benefits as a whole, developing more players if you have more. And I'm all about opportunity. But at the same time, and I understand what you're saying, the rich getting richer um, to a certain extent, they're, on, they're not making a ton of money. Uh, I was more referring to the opportunities available to play, not right. earnings necessarily. And it, it's just it's tough from a sustainability, and that's what always has been the, the difference in beach volleyball is everyone is coming from a different area. Some people love to play and have a job yeah. on the side, and then there's the group that I'm doing this full-time, I'm trying to get sponsors, I'm going to try to play as much as possible. And there's such different schools of thought. If I have a job and beach volleyball is my hobby on the side and I can go out there and go uno dos and lose and it doesn't affect my livelihood, right. that's a different perspective than this is, this is what I do. And, and you heard like April. April is a killer down deep. You know, she is a competitor. She's got a win. She knows that that's what's putting food on her table and she has this window. And when that window closes, it... Um, it's not like we're driving off into the sunset with the, you know, ten, fifteen million dollars in the bank. You Wouldn't know, that be nice? Like, like a lot of athletes do, though, right? right. A lot of top-tier athletes. So, you know, it's an interesting discussion. And, and like I said, I would love there to be twenty events with thirty-two team draws. With, five, I mean, what the what the FIVB is offering right now? Four hundred thousand per gender in these Grand Slams. And there's eight of them, and then there's two events that have five hundred thousand per gender, like the yeah. But you got to compete with the whole world for that. That's tough. You do, but that money is is impressive. Yeah. Um, I would love if the money was there. I think you 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 have thirty two teams, not a problem to sustain because there's a lot more to go around. Right now, when you're talking about seventy five thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollar purses per gender. You win a tournament, you win twenty grand. You know it's usually twenty percent, and you're splitting that with your partner. So, it, it you know it's a different. It, it sounds like a good number. Twenty grand, split it with your partner. That's ten, ten thousand dollars. Well, pay taxes on it now. It's six thousand dollars. <laughs> right, it dwindles. Yeah. It dwindles quickly. And it sounds good, six thousand dollars in a weekend. But there's only two of those tournaments. Plus, you had to win, and there are no tournaments from October through yeah. April. Yeah, it, hmm. it, it gets really lean really quick. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Do you want to have this massive pool of players that everyone's really groveling to make a right. living and 90% of them have other jobs? Or do you want to create, say, five teams that are sustainable that can attract? I mean, think back in the day. When I went to sleep overnight to get good seats to watch AVP events when I was 10, 11 years old, and watch guys like Sinjin and Randy Stoklos, Dodd and Hovland, 
Akatubi and Frohoff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, honestly, those four teams or four players, Sinjin, Randy, Dodd, and Hovland, could have run exhibitions. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what you went to see. Yeah. You went to see those four. It was great to see, you know, the weekend, the guys groveling below that. Um, the mood hearts of the world. Yeah, and it was awesome Chavez, to see, especially, you know. Swadek. <laughs> Who well, else you want to throw in there? There's, I mean, there's a lot of guys, and, you know, I was one of those guys. It's, But you have to, you know, you get a pop here and there and, and win tournaments. Those guys were winning consistently all the time. But uh, they created something, you know, where Miller Brewing and all these sponsors came in that were able to trickle down and create this financial base that supported, and we were talking earlier, I used to look in the back of Volleyball Magazine for the prize money, and I remember, you know, the top 15 guys on the AVP were making six figures, and that was before sponsorships. And mm-hmm. I thought, this is something that's viable, that's something I can do, uh, playing volleyball on the weekends, competitive, making a living. How cool would that be? And I hope that it can get back to that level, and I think it can. And, you know, I'd love to see the AVP have 10 to 15 tournaments. Of course, now this FIVB animal didn't exist, you know, 20, 30 years ago. It just, there was no tour internationally. So that's just opened up even more opportunity. But I agree with you. If there is a better feeder system, we will have more athletes and Instead of having like one triborn coming up right now, if you look at the next generation, you'd have four or five of them, uh, and they're out there. It's just they need that platform to compete on. Yeah, they certainly do. And when I stepped into the national team gym in '97, there wasn't one of me. There were ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were ten people competing for the four spots, right? Or three spots, or two spots, or whatever. However, you want to fraction it. But there were lots and lots of eligible, equipped athletes, trained athletes. And, yeah, the, the women's collegiate sand is going to make a difference. It's going to fill that, that void, and quickly. Yeah. I do think there, there, is, there will be a problem on the men's side because they're not going to have that collegiate. If the men have the collegiate side as well as the women, then the, the growth would take care yeah, of itself. It's not going to happen. Uh, yeah, it's not going to happen because of Title IX, and that's an uh, a different subject altogether, but so, I think we're on the right road. Name name for me another <clears throat> young beach athlete besides Born and Bruner, who you think has, or, or who, who is just in the pipeline. We're leaving somebody out for sure, but who are you seeing when you're when you're it's thinking funny about these matches a lot and of these, in touch with it? Yeah, a lot of these guys. Um, you think you think you're they're younger than they are, and they right. look and they're they're thirty. Um, right, and it's not old, but um, you know it's not it's not young either. Because I when I won the gold in 2000, I was 28. Okay, and so well, like Brad Keen and John Mayer, who just won the AVP tournament, they're old. Right, they're in their mid 30s now. Right. So <laughs> you, you know, it's it's Nic- far reaching. Nick Lucena, old. Stafford Slick, does he have potential? Stafford's a great player and was up and coming, but I, I don't know exactly how old Stafford is. Todd Rogers, 57. How old is Billy Allen, yeah, he's got another job. Brady Halverson, he's got other jobs. Grotowski. I mean, Darty. Darty's already off one professional career. Ryan Mariano, he's of my era. He's right. late 30s. Matt Prosser, same thing, mid-30s. Right. Prosser, Adam Roberts... 
you know, you start going down the list. Paul, you know, Baxter, I used to play with him. He's 41, 42. Yeah. You know, Russ Marchuka. You, you start going down the line. And Health and wellness, Russ Marchuka. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to find somebody who's out of college, say, three years ago. Yeah. Big into the beach scene. It, it really is. And that is a problem. Um, because how, like you're saying, how do you make that choice when you're looking at the back of Bible Magazine going, this is viable, I could get there. This kid might be able to get there, but where's there? You may not even know where there is. There's no interim. If you have to have parents that are going to pay for everything, let you live back at home again, you can boomerang from college, right. come back and live at home. It's, it's tough. It's tough. And we'll, we'll keep following. Jeremy uh, Casebeer is a young guy. Okay. He, uh, I believe he's 25. He's, you know, solid, solid player, but hasn't made a lot of noise yet. But he's 25. I won my first AVP event at 25. So it takes a while to mature. You don't usually have guys in the sport of beach volleyball coming out of college at 21 or 22. The last guy to do it like that would have been like a Kent Steffes, right? Um, that came out and was just on top immediately. It's it, it takes some maturity, it takes some experience to get there. Um, and he'd been playing beach. In between. Yeah. There are oh, a lot yeah. of athletes who, oh, yeah. who spend no time playing beach right now, but then decide, I'm going to play beach, because they have the physical tools and capability. It's just not there yet. It's not trained. Yeah, and it's tough to pick it up after college and not have played growing up. It, I mean, it's possible, but it right. does. It takes a little more time. Ask Ryan Darty. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, a guy like, have you seen Adrian uh, Carambula play? I mean, he's only 26, but will he be... Will he be making a lot of noise at the top? He hasn't he hasn't shown that quite yet. You know, made the finals two summers ago. I want to say in the AVP, maybe last summer. In the AVP. In the AVP, he made a final. I did a match where he had made the final. And, and Jeremy that. tells me that Adrian's in very good shape this year. That he's yeah. that he's kind of committed to to being a professional. He got a third in 2013 on the AVP. I thought he had a second. Yeah, I maybe we did a semifinal or something. Yeah, he he did get a third. So I mean, he has that potential. He has the game. It's a matter of putting it all together for for him. But he is young. Anytime you're talking 26 and younger, um, even though they haven't won yet, it's there's there's still time. But um, I think we're right though. There's not there's not a lot. Right. So a story to follow. Something to continue to follow here on the net live. Yeah. Uh, the committee who decides. The NCAA tournament selections for the men. Committee Chair Ron Shaka. I, I may say it wrong. Shaka, Shaka. That's why it's Pieperdine on the show here. We don't always get the uh, pronunciations correct. We just go with it. Yeah. But uh, he had a, a, a good interview with Off the Block, Vinny Lopes. And they're going to make more information available. They're going to put out the statistical analysis that they are provided by the NCAA to the selection committee. They're going to make that public, so you'll have an opportunity to look at it. This, of course, coming on the heels of Lewis being becoming the second non-West Coast team in the history of college men's volleyball to earn an at-large NCAA tournament bid. They got the edge over several at-large bubble teams in their nine criteria categories uh, used by the selection committee. Uh, it says, however, the decision outraged several people in the volleyball committee. Or com- I think it says committee. It should say community because Lewis was not ranked uh, a top 10 nationally in the coaches poll. 
and so on and so forth. Uh, but they're going to make stuff available. He said that the he's optimistic that it will be available starting in 2015. Hopefully that's the case. That's just next year. And maybe even retroactive so we can look at previous seasons and how these kinds of decisions were made. And I think this is nothing but good news. Yeah, So you understand. So maybe I don't spend some, so much time being upset and dissecting the coaches' rankings and other information that's available to me. Let's look at what's available to them. Yeah, anytime you're dealing with transparency, that's uh, a good thing. And I know there was a bit of an uproar about the, that at-large process. Um, transparency is good. Would you agree? I mean, yeah. always. I want the information. Yeah. I don't have a. I like. I like that's happening. So we'll have more information in the future. It won't be as easy to just shout from the mountaintops silly things like we did this past year <laughs> about Pepperdine getting screwed or whatever. <laughs> Two waves talking about it. That's right. That's right. There's, there'll be no discussion of it here. Obviously, Pepperdine should have gotten in. Duh. No question. You should put them in from uh, from January third or so. Just. <laughs> Just at large. Automatic. Pepperdine. At large. You can do that for next year. I think they're going to win the MPSF next year. Marv, of course, tells me, oh, BYU's going to be real good. And this, that. Yeah. No, Marv, your team's going to be pretty good. Your team is going to be awfully good next year. Hey, uh, we have to figure out here, Dane Blanton, how to give away a four-pack of tickets to the USA Cup matches. The women are hosting Brazil. That's the number one and number two in the world. You can go see them July 5th, 6th, 11th, or 12th at the Bryn Center, the Galen Center, or at the Stan Sheriff Center in Hawaii. So if you're in Hawaii, we're not cutting you out. You don't have to fly to the mainland. You could get a four-pack of tickets. Now, we need some trivia. Maybe maybe they should help us find the next young player in some way. I th- That's what we were struggling with. Yeah, we are. You know struggling what? Also, with that. I came up with Will Montgomery. Okay. Will Montgomery. I've heard that name. Yeah, he's. I wasn't sure of his age. I just know he's an up and coming player. But a lot of times, when an up and coming player, you're like, oh, he's 35. Right. Uh, he's 24. He's been coming for a while. He's been on the way for a while. Yeah, he's 24, and he's, uh, you know, been playing pretty well. He's finished seventh on AVP uh, before, so. That's another player, but I think the if we're going to give away something like this, we should maybe have someone come up with maybe who the next generation is. Maybe. Well, I think so. we need something definite because that's kind of an opinion thing. So it, it I, can't be subjective. It's an all Pepperdine show. I thought here's here's what I want people to do. I want you to send me a list. The net live at gmail dot com. If you're listening live right now, you have an advantage. The net live at gmail dot com. Name as many professional athletes, professional volleyball athletes out of Pepperdine as you can. Professional Put, volleyball athletes. Professional volleyball athletes. So they could play indoor. National team for indoor. Okay. Or professional beach. You have to have been in an FIVB or an AVP. How many, male and female? No overseas indoor. Not just overseas indoor. We're going to get into a mess of information. It's either got to be national team or AVP. You have to have a national team cap or an AVP or a FIVB. Now, keep in mind, it doesn't have to be an American. Got it. It's going to be an interesting list. Whoever comes up with the most names 
that we think qualify, and they have to be in this week. Okay, we're going to award you a four pack of tickets. So this is something that they email you. Yeah. Okay. They're going to have to send it in. I thought we were going to give away something on the phone. Well, we would, but people don't listen to this show live. Oh, more more podcasts. Yeah, it's more podcasts. Got it. Live listeners, not a huge amount of people. Love that these people are in the chat board. Thanks, folks, for being these, here. I see all the lights flashing. I mean, yeah. I think you're underestimating uh, what's happening here. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd love, to, I'd love that to be the case. So July 5th, July 6th, or 11th and 12th, send us a list of professional athletes, professional volleyball athletes from Pepperdine. That's what we need you to do. Does it have to have a minimum? Is there five maybe, at least five? There's ten? two in this room. Ten? Maybe ten minimum? No, whoever comes up with the most. No. I have on my list. Okay. I have ten already, and I've hardly thought about it. As far as my list goes. So it's a straight numbers game. How many can you get? And how many are qualifying? I, I actually have one that uh that I know. So I, I'm I'm into double digits. Easy. Come up with a list. Send it to us, the netlive at gmail dot com. And do it quickly. Do it now. Do it now. Do you want my song yet? Oh uh, yeah, let's play your song and we'll come back and talk about uh, Milwaukee and we'll get the heck out of here. How about that? All right, do we plug in? Here, plug this in here to your headphones. Okay. All right, go ahead and play it. All right, this is Dane Blanton. No, Select that's, music. that's not the one I want. Wait, you're switching it already? Yeah. We've got to fade this? it back out? Yeah, let's do it. You're turning it down for what? The DJ Roche would be proud. Don't you think? This makes me think of Ken Roxon. I know you don't know who that is. It's all right. I don't. People listening might. They can figure it out. We'll be right back in the NLI. Five and loud, and you're the rock and shot. Five and loud, and you're the rock and shot. Shot, shot, shot. 
you go, Dane Blanton. On the wheels of steel, representing DJ Roche. I like it. I like it. Turn down for what? All right, let me pull that back because we're going to have to end the show here in a few minutes. But thanks for listening here. We appreciate you being a part of the Net Live. We appreciate 68 Clothing Company for being here and being a sponsor as well as the ABCA and Volleyball Magazine. Remember, you can get this via iTunes. It is free. Zero dollars, people, to listen to myself and a gold medalist this week. Where is your gold medal, by the way? Free it's in a safe. Do you break it out for the kids? Two guards, lasers, and it takes Tom Cruise to get it out. Exactly. You've seen Mission Impossible. Yeah, exactly. It's in one of those things that is built deep underneath my house. (laughs) Don't even try it. Oh, I I had designs on it because I only have two completion certificates. And in fact, for the first one, our 12th place finish, I don't even think we deserve the completion certificate. We didn't really complete anything when 0 and 5. No, it's uh, it's at home. I I love to take it when I'm dealing with kids and, yeah. and giving it, you know, because sharing it is the best. And and you know, you share your medal and it's good. Did you did you experience something that I know some of the men's team did after '08, <laughs> where they had won the gold medal? Uh huh. And it was supposed to be this all changing, incredible expression of everything you had tried to be and do and accomplish over that large period of time, right? And then you win it, and it's like, well, I'm still the same person. It's just that was last week. Yeah. Did you experience any of that, that it was... Uh, no, well, you know what, because we were so unexpected, yeah. and we ended up beating the best team in the world at the time, uh, Brazil, who had beat us four previous times to that, and it was very unexpected. We went in there with the attitude, like, we just want to win every... Every match, mm-hmm. one point at a time, really focused and we're in the moment and very present. But I, I, I can't concur with that thought because for us it was life-changing in a sense. You're the same person, but you're treated very differently. I think because there's only two guys out there. It, yeah. it was, it's, it's a different dynamic. Uh, when I won a national championship with Pepperdine, you're sharing it with you know, 12, 13 guys. Um, whereas winning that gold medal was myself and Eric Fanoi Moana, and we got back and you know we did some of the late night shows and we did a lot of media and things changed you know mm-hmm. and people treated you differently now be- because you achieved that level. People ask me that all the time. Did you change? And I, I don't think I changed. Um, your confidence changes. Of course, you can conquer the world at that point if you win something like that. But people perceive you differently. Um, so I don't know. Everyone's experience is different, and there's a lot of Americans that bring home medals because you know you got the the, na- the basketball team usually wins, and and those team sports swimmers bring home like five each because they compete in 15 <laughs> events per person. <laughs> so, but it was huge. It was very for me. It was you know something that has changed. Um, it was a big, uh, I guess big milestone moment you yeah. know it's a pinnacle for me I, I, there wasn't anything ho-hum about it you know was it a huge financial reward for you um yeah i mean i wouldn't say huge but i mean i don't need well, numbers I would, but i would say yeah i mean i i think it's it changed thing i think it still pays yeah I, I honestly do i think it still pays and having that <clears throat> excuse me um on your resume or, you know, on your introduction, it, it holds power. And you know what the thing is about the gold medal is the fact that everyone knows what it symbolizes worldwide. 
You can mm. take a gold medal anywhere, and people don't care what you want it in. It's not written in English. Yeah, it's like it's not <laughs> transcendent. A, even, you know, it's not a Super Bowl trophy. Yeah, um, that's just specific to here. It's like people, you know, they don't care. They're like, "How did you get to that level? I want to know how you got to that level." Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's only two of us on, on the, the court may be different than being in twelve, thirteen player team. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, I can't concur with that it was like, and I didn't have one last week. I have one now, and nothing changed. That wasn't the case for me. Everything changed. Well, that's nice that it had a, a good long-lasting effect, I think, for the 2018. It, it I mean, had an well, I mean, in the volleyball community, but I don't think outside of it a ton. Right. But let's let's not kid ourselves. Would I really be on the net live? <laughs> <laughs> well, you had the Pepperdine connection, so you were, you were in here either way. <laughs> awesome. Uh, ABP Milwaukee's coming up. Yeah, Fourth of July weekend. You're there. I I played in Milwaukee. Right you know for Beach. You know, the last time I think I was in Milwaukee, and I remember I landed, and everyone was watching TVs, and I was like, "What's going on? This is going to date me a little bit." And they're like, "OJ's running from the cops." Oh, ninety four. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd flown and landed. Rockets and the, and the Spurs in the yeah, finals. There you go. And so I think that's the last time I think I was there. I think we're in Bradford Beach and. Big volleyball crowd there, but we haven't been there in a long time. But it should be, it should be awesome, and it'll be cool to now have only the second tournaments. You know, can Carrie and April continue their winning streak, and can the couple of waves win again? Brad right. Keenan and John Mayer. I mean, John Mayer uh, was spectacular in that last in that final in St. Petersburg. He's winning. sneaky good, John yeah. Mayer. Actually, I take it back. He's sneaky, very good. Yeah, and he's so cool, calm, and collected. Doesn't show much. He's like a perfect prototype coming from like Marv. Yeah, you know, he doesn't show a lot of emotion. Doesn't say much. Not flashy. Yeah, just gets the job done. And he and, sells out the Hollywood Bowl like three times a year. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, I was wondering if that was the same guy. Yeah, little known fact. So it should be fun, and I'm sure all the American players are excited. They've been on the road internationally, and um, it'll be nice for them to, to get back stateside. So what do you got coming up after AVP? Um, well, AVP and then, you know, FIVB the next weekend, and it's the summer months, so it's all beach volleyball and um, a few speaking engagements at a couple of different conferences. Um but other than that, enjoying it. I mean, the weather's been beautiful. It's it's nice to have a little downtime. You still play? Uh, not enough. You know, I sprained my ankle the other day playing hoops. I play hoops Uh-oh. like three days a week. Love playing basketball. I was a big basketball player in high school. But um, don't get down to the beach as much as I'd like to. I usually have a couple friends that drag me down there to the pier in Santa Monica. Want you on their um, team? No, just to go out you know, hit it around. And... Uh, I need to get out there more now that the the weather's great. I need to take care of this ankle first so I can get that 46-inch jump back. Still have it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I was ever in the 40s, to be honest with you. High 30s, but I don't think I was in your league. That was that's a whole other league. Yeah, you could play the game, though. I remember watching tapes yeah. of you. At Pepperdine, I when could. when defense was trying to, and passing was trying to be explained to me, they're like, "Here, watch Dane Blanton." Watch Dean Blanton do it. Nice. Watch the platform. You know they Watch him go into the crowd and play this ball. <laughs> that's what I took pride at, just going, you know, balls out all the time. And uh, that's what was so fun playing with Eric Fanoi Moana because he had the same mentality. Mm-hmm. We were going to outlast you, out-hustle you, go in the crowd, get the ball, whatever it took. Um, 
but I learned that at a young age, and that's why I appreciate when you see really great, well-rounded players. Um, that's why I was so impressed by Sander yeah. that I saw the other night for Team USA about a month ago in Long Beach. Um, because the volleyball is so specialized these days, it's nice to see when someone has the whole package. They can they can block, they can pass, they can play D. Yeah. And Mac, when I was playing D at Pepperdine, you mentioned that, I couldn't dig the ball overhand. I, nope. I came from couldn't the beach. pass it that way either. I, I, well, I didn't care about the pass, but I would get in the slot and dig these balls, and they'd call a lift on me. Now right. it's like anything goes. I was like, that's not a lift. you know. It, it, it was funny, but things have changed. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all still volleyball. You had the gator. You had it all back then. Yeah, but they were, they were throwing out. They were blowing the whistle. What was your first year on the UP? Uh, 94. Okay, after... so 94 is your first year. Mm-hmm. So... Is 94 still a, a transitional period for the professionalization of the way the players trained in 94? Did yeah, you I think see that was a, a huge time, change. Well, that was a time when Karch Karai and Ken Steffes would come down to the beach, and they would bring 12, 15 balls each, and right. they'd have some practice dummies on the other side, you know, like four guys come down. So you're looking at 60 balls, and you would side out, side out. And it changed the way. You used to go down the beach, call next on the main court, yeah. and, and wait your turn and, and play. That changed. They changed the game in terms of it became more professional. You come down the beach, 8 in the morning, 9 in the morning, train for two and a half, three hours, get your reps in, get everything done, and you're off the beach and done. And no one was hanging out anymore at the beach. It, it, it was became more of, you know, you're going to practice, and mm-hmm. then you're going to go the gym then you're going to do cross training you know i remember nine to twelve i was at the beach then get some lunch then i was up at the track at ucla doing plyometrics and sprints and whatnot then i was in the gym doing weights and the day was over and those are good times you know training to compete on the weekend was awesome but uh, that was a transitional time the mid 90s and i think that karch karai and and, and uh Ken Steffes changed the way that everyone trained. And everyone was like, oh, we're just going to get our four guys and go down to the beach. And we're going to get our four guys and go down to the beach. And there wasn't like waiters. Is there anything lost from that time period? Meaning well, pre-training? It, yeah, well, it's... Um, I don't think anything's lost other than the lifestyle. The yeah. life, because people weren't hanging out all day. And just people don't hang out all day anywhere now because you have these devices. And you used to go down the beach and no one could get a hold of you until you got home. And if you were really fancy, you could call home and you had one of those machines that you could, like, push in the code and it would tell you. Oh, your answering machine? Yeah. Yeah, the old school right. tape answering machine. Yeah. yeah. But you were, you Star know, 684 or whatever. But yeah, yeah, you were all cool. I got to check my messages. You but know you had to mean? do that from the pay phone at Marine pay, Street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> so, so you know. Uh, but now, everyone, you're at the beach and all of a sudden you get a tweet or a text and you're gone. Yeah. And you're gone. So there's not that hanging out. So I don't know if that was a sign of training that changed that. It was just the technolo- technology. and. Well, that's just the last 10 years. Yeah, well, yeah, and before. I mean, it started. It started then, but uh, the culture's changed a lot. You know, like I told you, times when I was ten years old, going down the beach uh, the night before with my brothers to get a good seat because there were no grandstands, and you would just be right next to the court. And um, it was cool to grow up and then get to the chance to play against guys like Sinjin, who, you know, I had watched as a kid, uh, and Randy Stoklos and. It was a trip to get on the other side of the net. It's a funny moment, huh? Yeah. To to be like, this guy was in the magazine that yeah. I was reading four years ago, and yeah. now he's getting blocked by me. That's yeah. nice. 
because you think about it, if you're 10, 12, and they're, say, 20, because players are younger then, um, and then all of a sudden they're only 10 years older than you, and you're 24, and they're in their prime, like we're talking about all yeah. these guys that are mid-30s. Um, but it's, it was it was an amazing ride, and that's why I, I love the sport. I love talking about the sport, but more importantly, I hope that there's a platform for the, the next generation so that people can make a living and play volleyball. I mean, I played for 14 years, and it was the coolest 14 years. I never thought I would travel the world because I didn't even know what the FIVB was when I was didn't in college. Didn't exist. Yeah. Didn't exist. And to go everywhere you know, from Western Europe to Australia to China to South Africa, you name it, year in and year out was was pretty awesome. And to cover the FIVB now, I see these guys, you know, in Norway and whatnot. It's pretty cool. It, it brings back memories, and it's cool to see how much success we're having out there. Fantastic. Thanks for sitting in today, Dane, and uh, covering for Jeremy. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Too bad DJ Roche wasn't here, but what are you going to do? Next time, we'll have a three-man booth. It'll be fun. World League in Serbia this week. The United States facing off with Serbia in the last round of the Intercontinental, or preliminary round, before they head off to World League Finals. So we wish the United States best of luck in Serbia. Hopefully they can come out with two more victories. AVP Milwaukee, if you're in the Midwest, if you're in the Chicago area, Madison, Milwaukee, Upper part, Door County up there in, in Wisconsin. Drive on down, or even if you're in Indiana or something, man, hook around the lake. Come up the west side of the lake and get yourself out to an AVP event. Remember, the netlive at gmail.com. Name Pepperdine Pro Volleyball Athletes. They have to have played in an AVP, an FIVB, or played with a national team. A national team, not just U.S., uh, I've added a few names to my list here. I'm getting a, a longer and longer list, but uh, whoever it, sends us the longest list, longest list by the end of the week, we'll get you a family four-pack to whichever event you want to go to for USA Cup, and thanks to MindSpring for providing those tickets. Uh, Casey Patterson, good luck getting home from Wichita. Keep your mouth closed till the plane lands, please, sir. And uh, Jay Hasek. I want to see a throwback Thursday. I want to see you actually get out there and skate. That's what I want to see. Thanks, 6-8, ABCA, and Volleyball Mag, and thanks to you, the listener, for listening to the show. That's going to about do it for the Net Live. I'm Kevin Barnett, and we will see you once again with another Net Live coming up next week. But my days not go along with everything you say But I rise home laughing, look at me now That the walls of my town, they come crumbling down And my ears hear the call of my unborn sons And I know that choice is color To the watchman's son I ain't never lived a year Better spent in love I know my weakness Know my voice Now believe in grace and choice And I know perhaps my heart is fast But I'll be born without a mind
greed and my pride I stretch my arms in 